Glory to Jesus. Man, I'm excited about today. I'm excited. I got some good things to share with you that God has given us. And, and um, you know, um, I, I, I just, I, I like what I just said a minute ago. I like what I just said. That, you know, if you think that you're going to do something, you're going to do something in life that seems important so that people are going to think you're great. I'm just telling you right now, it's a wrong idea and a wrong thought. And um, there's not anything that you can do in life that's going to make you great apart from what you develop day to day in your relationship with God. There's, there's nothing, there's no vocation, you know, it doesn't it didn't matter. And, and we live in a society where, well, we, we, we want to do something great. Everybody wants to do something great. And I, I, I mean, we're all created for greatness. God didn't make some of us less than others. He created us all the same. We're all created in His image and after His likeness. And He's a great God and He created you great and for greatness. And um, so, but just, just remember that. You know, as you serve God and you obey God, people already think that you're great. And, and, and a lot of times, our minds and, and, and thoughts try to tell us something different because, well, it doesn't appear that we measure up. God will cause you to measure up. God will cause you to grow. He'll, he'll cause the increase in growth to come. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added in your life. Everything else. And it's such an amazing promise, and we're so grateful and thankful for God. Amen? Well, in um, this morning, I'm going to share with you... Um, the vision of gates of the city with a cause. Vision with a cause. And tonight, we'll talk about vision with legs. Vision with a cause and then vision with legs. And what the, the actual application will look like this year in the things that we're doing. Last year when we cast vision, we talked about two things, the great commission and the great commandment, to make disciples out of all nations and to love God and to love people, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbors you love yourself. And in 2014, that hasn't changed. 2015, if you're still around here in 2025, 2050, if you live long enough to be here in 2100 it'll still be it'll still be the vision of this place because there is no other real vision that will produce but to take serious and take as high priority or top priority the last thing that Jesus said to do and it was this Go make disciples of all nations, immerse them in the revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, 
and remind them of everything I said. Remind them of everything that I said. So the duplication process to this point in life is to make disciples, to love God and to love people, to honor God and make disciples, in essence, and to remind people of everything that Jesus said. And we have record of everything that he said that we need to know what he said. I mean, we have four accounts of everything that Jesus said that these four people gave account of the things that he said. We have these four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and other, other statements that were made throughout the New Testament of what Jesus said. But there's a whole lot of other things that he said, but this is, this is what we need to know because this is what came to us and, and, and what is made available to us. So that's the plan and that's the purpose in Scripture and really... You know, it's not much more than that. I mean, what it entails and, and how it evolves and the package that we, that we prepare for people, but it's really, really, it's not much more than that. It's loving God and loving people and making disciples and reminding people of everything that Jesus said because everything that he said is the answer to everything that we need. Amen? So, this morning, um, last year we talked, we used these four words, and I'm going to use these again, and we're going to talk in a little bit more detail in regards to these. But um, last year we talked about Engaging, establishing, equipping, and empowering. Engaging community and culture, and that's what we've w worked on. We defined culture last year, and I'm, I'm uh, kind of tweaked it a little bit. But culture is a way of thinking, behaving, or working that exists in a place or an organization, or in this cause in a church. A way of thinking, behaving, or working that exists in a place or an organization. A way of thinking, behaving, or working in this church. We're creating a culture. And, and we're creating a discipleship culture and what that really looks like because that's what the Bible calls it. And, you know, I've, I've really worked hard at coming up with different words other than disciple or discipleship. Because, uh, you know... Sometimes there's, there's time to shift gears and use other words. And as I've gone through them, I just I can't get away from those words. Because there's, there's something about it that, that defines who we are. And all the years that we've been here, the vision of Gates of the City has been to disciple people with the power of God's Word. And this last year, as we cast vision in 2013, we talked about engaging, establishing, equipping, and empowering. Engaging community and culture, and I define what culture is. Establishing foundations, starting in February, we have our foundation series on Wednesday night that we will go through and teach five different subjects of 
foundational truths that everybody needs to, to be established on the inside of them. And then we, this year, our, last year we mentioned it a little bit, but, but this year as we're casting vision, what we're talking about is equipping and empowering. Equipping and empowering. Equipping to minister and empowering people to make disciples. Equipping to minister and empowering to make disciples. Now, what I want to do and, and what I want to share with you about this is that ministry, and, and, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you several myths about what real discipleship looks like in the form of, of ministry and what I believe the Scripture reveals to us as the truth to what we need to know. But there is a calling that everybody has. Everybody is sitting in here today is called for a specific thing. And I want to look at three passages of Scripture that back this up, starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn there with me or watch the screen. 2 Corinthians 5, and starting with verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, given us the ministry. Everybody say ministry. Given us the ministry of reconciliation. The, the, amplified, the amplified in that last part when it's talking about ministry of reconciliation the Amplified defines what the ministry of reconciliation is. That by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with Him. The ministry of reconciliation is to bring others into harmony with Him. That we reconcile people to God. That's, that's what our calling is. People say, well, you know, what are you called to do? You're called to minister. I don't care who you are, today, gates of the city, I'm telling you that you are called into the ministry. And we're going to talk about, for several, in, in, in several minutes, we're going to talk about some myths about ministry and, and some real truth in Scripture about ministry and what ministry really looks like. But I'm telling you today that your calling in God is ministry. And it's to reconcile people back to God. That's what you've been called to do. What are we talking about? Great commission. Tied with the great commandment. You really can't separate the two because, because loving people is so important in the discipleship process. Um, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1, talking about what you are called to. You're called to the ministry to reconcile people. Verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness 
to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. And, and he goes on to talk about and, and kind of explain what that means. And in verse 26, he says this. For you see your calling, or the Amplified says, simply consider your own call or your calling. That not many wise according to the flesh, not many not mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world. And the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. That's what we have become. But our calling, He said there's not many mighty, not many noble who are called, because the calling of God, the calling of God is for righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost for the good of other people. When you walk in righteousness and you walk in understanding and you walk in joy and you walk in sanctification and separation in God, then you're able to give something to other people and you're called to do that. You and I are called to the ministry. We're going to define what ministry is in a moment. You and I are called to the ministry. Then 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse something. First Thessalonians 5 and starting with verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always... Always. How often is always? Always. Always. Say it. Say it again. Always. But always, always pursue what is good for both good both for yourself and for everybody else. Always Pursue what is good both for you and for all. Verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is? For you to seek the good for yourself and for others by rejoicing Praying without ceasing and in all things giving thanks on behalf of the, of the lives of other people. Why? Because we're ministers of reconciliation. See, I'm called to see, to see people, to see people in harmony with God. I'm called to the ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile people back to God. Your calling is not your vocation. Your vocation is the tool to get you to the people. You can, you can study and study well and have knowledge and understanding and, and do all that you need to do to prepare your life for the jobs and the vocation that we have, but just think about it. Just think about it. See, wherever you work, 
Wherever, wherever you set your hand to the plow, you come in contact with people that I don't come in contact and vice versa. Right? And, and that's who we're called to is the world. If Jesus' last instruction, the last thing that he said when he left the planet was go and make disciples. Right? Then that should be top priority to you and I we should understand we must come to a place of understanding that that's what we're called to do amen now um, so I want you to see it I want you to see the rest of what I'm going to say to you this morning, I want you to see it like this. We are, we are equipping, we are equipping for ministry, and we are empowering for discipleship. At Gates of the City, here, because this is what we believe, this is what from the pulpit we believe from from my wife and I and, and the leadership of the body, what we believe here is that we are equipping people for ministry and empowering in the ministry people to make disciples from their own lives. Now, with that in mind, I want you to think about a couple things. Look at, we're going to spend the rest of our time in Ephesians 4. We're going, to, we're going to read from verse 11 in Ephesians 4. <clears throat> and what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm going to define here is this. Equipping and empowering seem similar, but one without the other is a recipe for destruction and failure. Equipping and empowering seem like they go together, but they don't really go together. But yet, they can't be separated. You have to equip people to be empowered, and you have to empower people that are equipped. You can't have one without the other. It's a recipe for failure if, it, if you do that. And, you know, I'll just tell you that through the years in ministry and in pastoring that I've not always understood what I'm sharing with you today. And even though the vision at Gates, or I mean the cause here at Gates of empowering people with, with the truth of God's Word and making disciples has always been something that we, that we have stood for. The vision has evolved. And, and, and how to implement those kind of things have evolved. And, and I'm telling you today, like never before, we see this in a greater way than ever before. And, and this is what we will continue to stay true to, even though how you get it to people and how we minister to people is going to change all the time. Now, there's... There's three, I'm going to call them myths, 
There, there are three myths to this discipleship pro- process that I believe have to be um, have to be exposed. So, so these three things that I'm going to share with you, we're going to give the myth, and then we're going to give the truth. Okay, at least the way we see it. And a myth is a commonly held belief that is not true. Like, yeah, I think everybody's gone from here. Like Santa. <laughs> One time I, I, I made a comment about Santa in a service and there was somebody sitting in there that uh, I thought didn't believe in Santa anymore and, and, uh, and they did and so I, you know, they let me know it afterwards. Anyway, um, anyway, Santa is a myth, okay? I don't care how much you love Miracle on 34th Street every Christmas time or how many of the other shows like that you like, and I love them too. I, I, I love to watch them, but it's a myth. The Santa guy, the fat dude in the, in the red suit with the beard thing is a myth, and yet... To a certain age, most of us, maybe some of us haven't, but most of us believed that he was real. How many can remember the day you found out he wasn't? I do. I, do. I was about to take out my next door neighbor. <laughs> I was hot. Huh? Santa is a myth. And he's not true, even though he's a jolly dude. That we love to go sit on his lap and put our kids on his lap and, you know, just the thought of him. And on, in the movie Miracle on 34th Street, the new one, his statement about if you can't believe in faith, then your life is doomed for destruction. I mean, it's some great words, but I'm still telling you, the guy doesn't live in the North Pole. It's a myth, right? And so, there are certain things, there are commonly held beliefs in the church that are just not true. And we have to bust them. We have to be like the myth busters, And destroy them and establish truth so that we can be released, all of us, to do what God's called us to do. First one. First myth versus truth. And I'm going to give you what I believe is truth in regards to this first myth. And these are myths of discipleship. And number one is the word mentoring, the myth of mentoring. And that myth in the church is that pastors do everything and and the pastor is the superhero and everybody else in the church is spectators. And 
And it's a, it's a commonly held position throughout church world that is just absolutely not true according to what we're going to read here in a moment. Um, actually, in uh, we'll come back to this. Just hold your place in Ephesians. Just look at these two verses. In Exodus, um, I think it is 18 and the 17th verse. And this was Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. What a name, Jethro. Every time I think of Jethro, I think of Jethro Bodine. (sighs) Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. But you and the people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. The thing that you do is not good. And several years back, the Lord told me, he said, you're ministering to all the people and it's not good. And you're going to wear yourself out and burn yourself out. And you're going to not like the ministry. And so I had to make some changes. Um. But the truth is this, that a pastor or leaders who are part of the five-fold ministry, if you, if you will, their job is to equip people to minister because the church is about God and people. And the number one call on a pastor or leader is to equip people to minister. So in Ephesians 4, before we go on, I want to read starting from verse 11. And he himself gave some as apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or to a mature man. So, in verse 11, we see those who are what I'm going to call the mentors. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers are to equip the saints, equip the people. They're the mentors to equip, not do all the ministry to. Do you hear me? Okay. Number two, and and you see it here in verse 12, It's the myth of what ministry really is. It's the ministry versus the truth of what ministry is. Now, now hear me when I say this to you. Most people, again, what, what is a myth? A commonly held belief that is not true. And the myth of ministry is this. Well, 
I can't minister because I'm not ready. Uh, I don't know enough. I don't pray enough. I've got too much bad past sin in my life. I've, you know, I, 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 I haven't seen the manifestation of things working in my life. I'm not that superhero. I'm not the, I'm not the pastor or one of the fivefold ministries, so I can't minister. I'm telling you, 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 you may be here today and maybe you haven't been in the church in the past, but that's a myth in the church world that you can't minister until you're overly qualified. And it's not true. The truth is this. Even though you may not feel ready, or maybe you feel not qualified, or maybe you even feel disqualified, I'm telling you today that God is ready for you. And He's ready for you in ministry because in this passage we see where the mentors do the equipping to prepare the saints. And where in, in, in my life... I am, a, I am a prime, primarily, I'm an, a, I am an equipper. That's not a real word, but I just made it. <clears throat> I'm an equipper. Primarily, I'm to equip, not to ministry. And we're going to define that in just a moment. Just hang with me on this. So, the third one, the third myth is what maturity looks like. And again, there are things in my life and, and in church life here at Gates in, in years past where some of this was not clear and it was misunderstood, but it's definitely clear today. And the myth of maturity is that you can't minister till you're mature, which means... I need another class, I need another seminar, I need another one of this and this and this, and then one day I'll grow into a place where I can minister. That's the myth of maturity, and that's in verse 13. But <clears throat> what I'm saying is, You can't wait till you feel like you're mature to minister because the maturity, the maturity that a person is looking for, they think, is in some day when I minister. That means I'll be mature enough when I come to the place where I can minister. Because people think ministry is right here. This isn't ministry. This is equipping. What I just read right here. If you go back and read this, this is equipping. So actually, it's, it's, a, it's a, a chicken and egg process. What came first, the chicken or the egg? 
What comes first, ministry or maturity? And what I see from the scripture here is that the mentors equip the saints for ministry that produces maturity. Verse 11, mentors. Verse 12, ministry. Verse 13, maturity. So mentors equip the saints for the work of the ministry that causes them to mature. See, your calling is the ministry of reconciliation. You can be born again for a day and with the right equipping and training, you can step into the revelation of ministry. You and I were called to minister. Why? Because the calling here at Gates, the vision here at Gates, is that you and I make disciples. And if we're sitting around trying to become mature and reading enough, praying enough, listen, we're all about reading, we're all about studying, we're all about praying, we're all about all that. But what we've become more about in 2013, last year, was engaging and connecting with people and developing relationships and at the same time building foundations. And this year, and this year, as we're talking about here, in, in, our, in our connection and our being established in our walk with God, the foundations that we have, we're able to help other people with. And what we have to do is we just have to stay one step ahead of what other people that don't know what we're doing. And if we stay one step ahead of them, then we've got something to pour into them. And that's why as we stay connected to the church and we stay connected to connect groups that we'll talk about tonight, what all those are going to look like, and every other aspect of ministry that is evolving this year in 2014 and in the years to come, as we stay connected to that, then we stay fulfilling the purpose that God had on the earth, and that was to make disciples. And the more we make disciples from our own lives, what happens is our life evolves. That's where your personal vision for what you're what you're doing on the earth, what you're setting your hand to, your personal vision about things like that will evolve when you're doing first and foremost what he commissioned you to do as he left the earth. I'm just convinced that everything else is found in me personally being in the ministry. You personally being in the ministry. See, the myth about being in the ministry is being a fivefold minister. And that myth has to be destroyed because it's a myth. It's, it's a commonly known phrase in the church world that being in the ministry is being behind the pulpit. And from here on, you'll not hear us talk that way at Gates. From here on, we're equippers from behind the pulpit to establish you for ministry so that you can fulfill the purpose and plan God put you on the planet. Number one, as a minister of reconciliation. And number 
2, 3, 10, 40, 80, and 90, and 100 other things that you're called to do that will all fall into place as you fulfill the purpose and plan God put you here for. Yippee-i-a. <clears throat> so, First Corinthians three, and I'll end with this. First Corinthians three and verse five. <clears throat> great commission, great commandment will never change. As I said earlier, it's the last thing that he said. It becomes our first priority in life, right? To honor God and to make disciples is what he put you here for. You know, as, as I was preparing this message, and I, I don't know, I'm just, when I prepare something, I prepare it for a long time. And I'll, I'll write things down and I'll leave it. I've been preparing this since last year. And I'll write things down and I'll leave it. And I'll come back to it. And I'll write some more things down and I'll leave it. And I'll come back to it. And I'll write things down and I'll come back. And as I was preparing this and, and finishing this out, just, just, mental, just written notes to, to stir my memory of the things I wanted to say, I thought to myself, is that all I'm going to share with them, Lord? And he said, that's all I want you to share with them. I want them to know that they are called by me, by him, into the ministry. You are called as ministers of reconciliation. And from you establishing your ministry in reconciling people, everything else will manifest. So that means getting your eyes off of what vocation that you have to have to be successful. You become successful as a minister that's reconciling people. And anything else that needs to happen for you to increase and move up in the things that you do will evolve and happen as you stay focused. Number one priority that's putting him first and what he puts you here for, it'll cause everything else in your relationship with him and everything else to develop like you've never seen before, ever. Amen? So honoring God, honoring God through loving him and loving people and making disciples. Because God builds the church with the disciples that we make he makes the disciples but he builds the church but he will not build the church with undiscipled people because he will not he will not put together some group of people that are going to just be a bunch of hirelings that's not what he that's not what he's put us here for we make disciples of him in other people and then he builds his church with that. 
Amen? And, and all that is is a recipe for success that will cause the church to never be stopped. And I just, I, I like what the Apostle Paul, how he confirmed what I just said to you right here, starting with verse 5. Who then is Paul and who's Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Paul said this, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And what I saw here was just this picture, and, and, and I am, I'm going to end with this. I saw this picture, okay? And, and it, you can say, well, you know, I'm not sure that that says that, but it says it to me really strong. So Paul says, I planted, okay, as a mentor. I equipped as a mentor. Apollos watered at a, as a minister, but God gave the increase. So who's anything? Not Paul. <laughs> Not Apollos. Uh-uh. Each one just doing their part, but God brings the increase. And how do we get rewarded? <laughs> Verse 8. Now he who plants, or he who equips, and he who waters and ministers are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> 2014, promises fulfilled, promotions granted, and increased by the Spirit of God more and more and your children. And where does that come from? I believe just putting first things first. And my first and foremost priority in life is making disciples of all the nations, me, and reminding everybody of what he said. You know what that looks like? If Dale's, if Dale's thinking of something that goes against the word, it's my responsibility to remind Dale of what he said. That's how I disciple people. If Dale comes to me and says, you know, this isn't working in my life, and that ain't working in my life, and here's what I think about this, and this is what I think about that. Hey, Dale, let, let me tell you what Jesus said. See, I'm reminding Dale now, who has thoughts and ideas that go contrary to the Word, I'm reminding him of what Jesus said. And when I tell Dale that, what I'm doing through my life, because I believe it, I'm discipling him, and I'm reminding him of what Jesus said. That's first and foremost priority. And if you'll take the time to do things like that with humanity and with people. And tonight when you come back, we're going to talk about what, this, what the legs of this thing are going to look like. But to this morning, I needed to tell you, you're called to do this thing. You're called to minister. You're called to the ministry of reconciling people to God and living that way wherever you go. I don't care. I don't care if you're 10 years old or if you're 15 years old or you're 25 years old or you're 45 or you're 65 or you're 85 or you're 95 or you're 105. We've been called to reconcile people back to God by making disciples and reminding them of what he said. Can you say amen?